Section 60 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Yu Qing in Singapore. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2 by Cao Xueqing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolly. Chapter 55, Part 1. The stupid secondary wife, Dame Zhao, needlessly loses her temper and insults her own daughter, Tan Chun. The perverse servant girls are so full of malice that they look down contemptuously on their youthful mistresses. We will now resume our narration with the Rong Mansion. Soon after the bustle of the New Year festivities, Lady Feng, who, with the most arduous duties she had had to fulfil, both before and after the New Year, had found little time to take proper care of herself, got a miscarriage, and could not attend to the management of domestic affairs. Day after day, two and three doctors came and prescribed for her. But Lady Feng had ever accustomed herself to be hardy, so, although unable to go out of doors, she nevertheless devised the ways and means for everything, and made the various arrangements she deemed necessary and whatever concern suggested itself to her mind, she entrusted to Ping Er to lay before Madame Wang. But, however, much people advised her to be careful, she would not lend an ear to them. Madame Wang felt as if she had been deprived of her right arm, and as she alone had not sufficient energy to see to everything, she bestowed her own attention upon such important affairs as turned up, and entrusted, for the time being, all miscellaneous domestic matters to the corporation of Li Wan. Li Wan had at all times held virtue at a high price and set but little value on talents of any kind, so that she, as a matter of course, displayed leniency to those who were placed under her. Madame Wan accordingly bade Tan Chun combine with Li Wan in the management of the household. In a month, she argued, Lady Feng will be getting all right again, and then you can once more hand over charge to her. Little, however, though one would think it, Lady Feng was endowed with a poor physique. From her youth up, moreover, she had not known how to husband her health, and emulation and contentiousness had, more than anything else, combined to undermine her vital energies. Hence it was that although her complaint was a simple miscarriage, it had really, after all, been the outcome of loss of vigour. After a month, symptoms of emissions of blood began also to show themselves, and notwithstanding her reluctance to utter what she felt, everyone, at the sight of her sallow and emaciated face, readily concluded that she was not nursing herself as well as she should. Madame Wang, therefore, enjoined her merely to take her medicines and look to herself with due care, and she would not allow her to disquiet her mind about the least thing. But Lady Feng herself also gave way to misgivings, lest her illness should assume some grave face, and, much though she laughed with one and all, she was ever mindful to steal time to attend to her health, feeling inwardly vexed at not being able to soon get back her old strength again. But she had, as it happened, to dose herself with medicines and to nurse herself for three whole months before she gradually began to rally and before the discharges stopped by degrees. 
but we will abstain from any reference to these details which pertain to the future. Suffice it now to add that, though Madame Wang noticed her improved state, she thought it impossible for the time being for Tan Chun and Li Wan to resign their charge. But so fidgety was she, lest with a large number of inmates in the garden, proper control should not be exercised, that she specially sent for Bao Chai and begged of her to keep an eye over every place, explaining to her that the old patrons were of no earthly use, for whenever they could obtain any leisure, they drank and gambled, and slept during broad daylight, or they played at cards during the hour of night. I know all about their doings, she said. When that girl Feng is well enough to go out, they have some little fear, but they are bound at present to consult again at their own convenience. Yet you, dear child, are one in whom I can repose complete trust. Your brother and your female cousins are, on one hand, young, and I can, on the other, afford no spare time. So do exert yourself on my behalf for a couple of days, and exercise proper supervision. And should anything unexpected turn up, just come and tell it to me. Don't wait until that old lady inquires about it as I shall then find myself in a corner with nothing to say in my defence. If those servants aren't on their good behaviour, mind you blow them up, and if they don't listen to you, come and lay your complaint before me, for it will be best not to let anything assume a serious aspect. Bao Chai listened to her appeal and felt under the necessity of volunteering to undertake the charge. The season was about to close off spring, so Dai Yu got a cuff back again. But Xiang Ming was likewise laid up in the Heng Wu Yuan, as she too was affected by the weather, and day after day she saw numberless doctors and took endless medicines. Tan Chun and Li Wan lived apart, but as they had of late assumed joint management of affairs, it was, unlike former years, extremely inconvenient even for the servants to go backwards and forwards to make their reports. They consequently resolved that they should meet early every day in a small three-roomed reception hall at the south side of the garden gate to transact what business there was, and that their morning meal over, they should afternoon return again to their quarters. This three-roomed hall had originally been got ready at the time of the visit of the imperial consort to her parents to accommodate the attendants and eunuchs. This visit over, it proved, therefore, no longer of use, and the old matron simply came to it every night to keep watch. But mild weather had now set in, and any complete fittings were quite superfluous. All that could be seen about amounted to a few small pieces of furniture, just sufficient for them to make themselves comfortable with. Over this hall was likewise affixed a play-cut, with the inscription in four characters, Perfected Philanthropy, published virtue. Yet the play was generally known among the domestics as the Discuss Matters Hall. To this hall, Li Wan and Tan Chun would daily adjourn at six in the morning and leave it at noon, and the wives of the managers and other servants who had any matters to lay before them came and went in incessant strings. When the domestics heard that Li Wan would assume sole control, each and all felt secretly elated, 
for as Li Wan had always been considerate, forbearing and loath to inflict penalties, she would be, of course, they thought, easier to put off than Lady Feng. Even when Tantrum was added, they again remembered that she was only a youthful, unmarried girl, and that she too had ever shown herself good-natured and kindly to a degree, so none of them worried their minds about her, and they became considerably more indolent than when they had to deal with Lady Feng. But after the expiry of three or four days, several concerns passed through her hands, which gave them an opportunity to gradually find out that Tantrum did not in smartness and thoroughness yield to lady feng and that the only difference between them was that she was soft in speech and gentle in disposition by remarkable coincidence princes dukes marquises earls and hereditary officials arrived for consecutive days from various parts all of whom were if not the relatives of the long ending mansions at least their old friends there were either those who had obtained transfers on promotion or others who had been degraded, either those who had married or those who had gone into mourning. And Madame Wan had so much congratulating and condoling, receiving and escorting to do, that she had no time to attend to any entertaining. There was, therefore, less than ever anyone in the front part to look after things. So, while Tantrin and Li Wan spent their whole days in the hall, Bao Chai tarried all day in the drawing rooms, to keep an eye over what was going on, and they only betook themselves back to their quarters after Madame Wang's return. Off a night, they whiled away the leisure hours by doing needlework, but they would, previous to retiring to sleep, get into their chairs, taking along with them the servants, whose duty it was to be on night watch in the garden, and other domestics as well. They visited each place on their round. Such was the control exercised by these three inmates that signs were not wanting to prove that greater severity was observed than in the days when the management devolved on Lady Feng. To this reason must be assigned the fact that all the servants attached, inside as well as outside, cherished a secret grudge against them. No sooner, they insinuated, has one patrolling ogre come then they add three more Siberian sort of spring josses, so that even at night we've got less time than ever to sip a cup of wine and indulge in a romp. On the day that Madame Wang was going to a banquet at the mansion of the Marquis of Jingxiang, Li Wen and Tantrun arranged their coiffure and performed their ablutions at an early hour, and after waiting upon her until she went out of doors, they repaired into the hall and installed themselves in their seats. But just as they were sipping their tea, they espied Wu Xindeng's wife walk in. Mrs. Zhao's brother, Zhao Guozi, she observed, departed this life yesterday. The tidings have already been reported to our old mistress and our lady, who said that it was all right, and bade me to tell you, miss. At the close of this announcement, she respectfully dropped her arms against her body and stood aloof without adding another word. The servants who came at this season to lay their reports before Tantrun and Li Wan mustered no small number, but they all endeavoured to find out how their two new mistresses ran the household, for as long as they managed things properly, one and all willingly resolved to respect them. But in the event of the least disagreement or improper step, not only did they not submit to them, but they also spread 
the moment they put their food outside the second gate, numberless jokes on their account and made fun of them. Oisino's wife had thus devised an experiment in her own mind. As she had to deal with Lady Feng, she would have long ago made an attempt to show off her zeal by proposing numerous alternatives and discovering various bygone precedents, and then allowed Lady Feng to make her own choice and take action. But in this instance, she looked with such disdain on Li Wan, on account of her simplicity, and on Tan Chun, on account of her youthfulness, that she volunteered only a single sentence in order to put both these ladies to the test and see what course they would be likely to adopt. What shall we do? Tan Chun asked Li Wan. Li Wan reflected for a while. The other day, she enjoined, that Xi Ren's mother died. I heard that she was given forty tails. So now give her forty tails as well and have done. Upon hearing this proposal, Wu Xingdang's wife eagerly expressed her acquiescence by uttering a yes, and taking over the permit, she was going on her way at once. Come back, shouted Tan Chun. Wu Xingdang's wife had perforce to retrace her footsteps. Wait, don't get the money yet, Tan Chun remarked. I want to ask you something. Some of the old secondary wives, attached years back to our venerable seniors' rooms, lived inside the establishment, others outside. There were these two distinctions between them. Now, if any of them died at home, how much was allowed them? And how much was allotted to such as died outside? Tell us what was given in either case for our guidance. As soon as Wu Xingdang's wife was asked this question, every detail bearing on the subject slipped from her memory. Hastily forcing a smile, this is she replied, nothing of any such great consequence. Whether much or little be allowed, who will ever venture to raise a quarrel about it? Tantrun then smiled. This is all stuff and nonsense, she exclaimed. My idea is that it would be better to give a hundred tales, for if we don't comply with what's right, we shall, not to speak of your ridiculing us, find it also a hard job, by and by, to face your mistress, Secunda. Well, in that case, laughed Wittingdon's wife, I'll go and look up the old accounts. I can't recollect anything about them just at this moment. You're quite an old hand in the management of affairs, Tantrun observed with a significant smile. And can't you remember but come instead to perplex us? Whenever you've had anything of the kind to lay before your lady Secunda, have you also had to go first and look it up? But if this has been the practice, Lady Feng can't be looked upon as being such a dreadful creature. One could very well call her lenient and kind. Yet, don't you yet hurry to go and hunt them up and bring them to me to see? If we dilly-dally another day, they won't run you people down for your coarse-mindedness, but we will seem to have been driven to our wits' ends. Wu Xingdang's wife got quite scarlet in the face. Promptly twisting herself round, she quitted the hall, while the whole bevy of married women stretched out their tongues significantly. During her absence, other matters were reported, but in a little while, Wu Xingdang's wife returned with the old accounts. On inspection, Tantuan found that for a couple of secondary wives who had lived in the establishment, twenty-four tales had been granted.
and that for two, whose quarters had been outside, forty tails had in each case been allowed. Besides these two, others were mentioned, who had lived outside the mansion, to one of whom a hundred tails had been given, and to the other sixty tails. Under these two records, the reasons were assigned. In the one case, the coffins of the father and mother had had to be removed from another province, and sixty tails extra had consequently been granted. In the other, an additional twenty tails had been allowed, as a burial place had to be purchased at the time. Tantrin handed the accounts to Li Wan for her perusal. Give her twenty tails, readily suggested Tantrin. Leave these accounts here for us to examine minutely. Wu Xingdeng's wife then walked away, but unexpectedly, Mrs. Zhao entered the hall. Li Wan and Tantrin speedily pressed her to take the seat. Mrs. Zhao then broke the silence. All the inmates of these rooms have trampled me under heel, she said. But never mind. Yet, my child, just ponder, it is only fair that you should take my part. While ventilating her grievances, her eyes got moist, her nose watered, and she began to sob. To whom are you alluding, Mrs. Zhao? Tantrin hastily inquired. I can't really make out what you're driving at. Who tramples you underfoot? Speak out, and I'll take away your cudgels. You are not trampling down yourself, young lady, Mrs. Zhao observed. And to whom can I go and tell my grievance? Tantrin, at these words, jumped up with alacrity. I would never presume to do any such thing, she protested. Li Wan, too, vehemently sprang to her feet to proffer her some good counsel. Pray seat yourselves, both of you, Mrs. Zhao cried, and listen to what I have to say. I've had, like simmering oil, to consume away in these rooms to these advanced age. There's also your brother besides. Yet I can't compare myself now even to Xi Ren, and what credit do I enjoy? But you haven't as well any face, so don't let speak of myself. It was really on account of this, Tantrin smiled, that I said that I didn't presume to disregard right and to violate propriety. While she spoke, she resumed her seat, and, taking up the accounts, she turned them over for Mrs. Zhao to glance at, after which she read them out to her for her edification. These are old customs, she proceeded, enforced by the seniors of the family, and everyone complies with them, and could I ever, pray, have changed them? These will hold good, not only with Xi Ren, but even when by and by Huang Er takes a concubine, the same course will be naturally adopted, as in the case of Xi Ren. This is no question for any large quarrels or small disputes, and no mention should be made about face or no face. She's our Madame Wan's servant girl. And I've dealt with her according to a long-standing precedent. Those who say that I've taken suitable action will come in for our ancestor's bounty and our lady's bounty as well. But should anyone uphold that I've adopted an unfair course, that person is devoid of all common sense and totally ignorant of what a blessing means. The only thing she can do is to foster as much resentment as she chooses. 
Our lady, Madame Wang, may even give a present of a house to anyone. What credit is that to me? Again, she may not give a single cash, but even that won't imply any loss of faith, as far as I'm concerned. What I have to say is that, as Madame Wang is away from home, you should quietly look after yourself a bit. What's the good of worrying and fretting? A lady is extremely fond of me, and if, at different times, a chilliness has sprung up on her part, it's because you, Mrs. Zhao, have again and again been officious. Had I been a man and able to have gone abroad, I would long ago have run away and started some business. I would then have had something of my own to attend to. But as it happens, I am a girl, so that I can't even recklessly utter so much as a single remark. Madame Wan is well aware of it in her heart, and it's now because she entertains a high opinion of me that she recently bade me assume the charge of domestic affairs. But before I've had time enough to do a single good act, here you come, Mrs. Zhao, to lay down the law. If this reaches Madame Wang's ear, I fear I shall get into trouble. She won't let me exercise any control, and then I shall, in real earnest, come in for no face. But even you, Mrs. Zhao, will then actually lose countenance. Reasoning with her, she so little could repress her tears that they rolled down her cheeks. Mrs. Zhao had not a word more to say to refute her arguments with. If Madame Wang loves you, she simply responded, there's still more reason why you should have drawn us into her favour. Instead of that, all you think about is to try and win Madame Wang's affections, and you forget all about us. However did I forget you? Tantrin exclaimed. How would you have me drag you into favour? Go and ask every one of them, and you'll see what mistress is indifferent to anyone, who exerts her energies and makes herself useful, and what worthy person requires being drawn into favour. The one who stood by did her best to pacify them with her advice. Mrs. Zhao, she argued, don't lose your temper. Neither should you feel any ill will against this young lady of yours. Had she even at heart every good intention to lend you a hand, how could she put it into words? This worthy senior dame, Tantuan impatiently interposed, has also grown quite dense. Whom could I drag into favour? Why, in what family do the young ladies give a lift to slave girls? Their qualities as well as defects should all alike be well known to you people. And what have they got to do with me? Mrs. Zhao was much incensed. Who tells you, she asked, to give a lift to anyone? Were it not that you looked after the house, I wouldn't have come to inquire anything of you. But anything you may suggest is right. So had you, now that your maternal uncle is dead, granted twenty or thirty tales in excess, is it likely that Madame Wan would not have given you her consent? It's evident that our Madame One is a good woman, and that it's you people who are mean and stingy. Unfortunately, however, her ladyship has with all her bounty no opportunity of exercising it. You could, my dear girl, well set your mind at ease. You wouldn't, in this instance, have had to spend any of your own money. 
and at your marriage by and by i would still have borne in mind the exceptional regard you had shown the Zhao family but now that you've got your full plumage you've forgotten your extraction and chosen a lofty branch to fly to before tantrin had heard her to the end she flew into such a rage that her face blanched and choking for breath she gasped and panted sobbing she asked the while who is my maternal uncle my maternal uncle was at the end of the year promoted to be high commissioner of the nine provinces how can another maternal uncle have cropped up it's because i've ever shown that reverence enjoined by the rights that other relatives have now more than ever turned up if what you say be the case how is it that every day that Huang goes out dogwoodie too stands up and follows him to school why doesn't he put on the airs of an uncle what's the reason that he doesn't who isn't aware of the fact that i am born of a concubine would it require two or three months time to trace my extraction but the fact is you've come to kick up all the hullabaloo for fear lest people shouldn't be alive to the truth and with the express design of making it public all over the place but i wonder who of us two will make the other loose face luckily i've got my wits about me for had i been a stupid creature ignorant of good manners i would long ago have lost all patience li wang was much concerned but she had to continue to exhort them to the zeast but mrs chow proceeded with a long rigmarole until a servant was unexpectedly heard to report that lady secunda had sent miss pyung to deliver a message mrs chow caught the announcement and eventually held her peace when they espied pyung er making her appearance mrs chow hastily forced a saturnine smile and motioned to her to take a seat is your lady any better she went on to inquire with vehemence i was just thinking of going to look her up but i could find no leisure upon seeing ping er enter li wan felt prompted to ask her the object of her visit my lady says ping er smilingly responded that she apprehends now that mrs Zhao's brother is dead that your ladyship and you miss are not aware of the existence of an old precedent according to the ordinary practice no more need be given than twenty tales but she now requests you miss to consider what would be best to do if even you add a good deal more it will do well enough tantrin at once wiped away all traces of tears what's the use of another edition when there's no valid reason for it she promptly demurred who has again been twenty months in the womb for is it forsooth any one who's gone to the wars and managed to escape with his life carry his master on his back your mistress is certainly very ingenious she tells me to disregard the precedent in order that she should pose a benefactress she wishes to take the money which madame once burned so as to reap the pleasure of conferring favours just you tell her that i could not presume to add or reduce anything or even to adopt any reckless decision let her add what she wants and make a display of bounty when she gets better and is able to come out she can effect whatever additions she fancies the moment ping arrived she obtained a fair insight into lady feng's designs so when she heard the present remarks 
she grasped a still more correct idea of things. But perceiving an angry look about Tendron's face, she did not have the temerity to behave towards her as she would, had she found her in high spirits of past days. All she did, therefore, was to stand aloof with her arm against her sides, and to wait in rigid silence. Just at that moment, however, Bao Chai dropped in on her return from the upper rooms. Tantrin quickly rose to her feet and offered her a seat. But before they had had time to exchange any words, a married woman likewise came to report some business. But as Tantrin had been having a good cry, three or four young maids brought in a basin, towel, and hand glass and other articles of toilette. Tantrin was, at the moment, seated cross-legged on a low wooden couch, so the maid with a basin had, when she drew near, to drop on both her knees and lift it high enough to bring it within reach. The other two girls prostrated themselves next to her and handed the towels and the rest of their toilet things, which consisted of a looking-glass, rouge and powder. But Pina noticed that Shi Shu was not in the room, and, approaching Tantrin with hasty step, she tucked up her sleeves for her and unclasped her bracelets. Seizing also a large towel from the hands of one of the maids, she covered the lapel on the front part of Tantrin's dress. Whereupon Tantrin put out her hands and washed herself in the basin. My lady and miss, the married woman observed, may it please you to pay what has been spent in the family school for Mr. Jiahuan and Mr. Jialan during the year. Ping er was the first to speak. What are you such a hurry for? she cried. You've got your eyes wide open and must be able to see our young lady washing her face. Instead of coming forward to wait on her, you start talking. Do you also behave in this blind sort of way in the presence of your lady Secunda? This young lady is, it's true, generous and lenient, but I'll go and report you to your mistress. I'll simply tell her that you people have no eye for Miss Tentron. But when you find yourselves in a mess, don't bear me any malice. At this hint, the woman took alarm, and hastily forcing a smile, she pleaded guilty. I've been rude, she exclaimed. With these words, she rushed with all dispatch out of the room. End of section 60 Recording by Cao Yuqing in Singapore